You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey, welcome to The Devoted Podcast. I hope you guys have had a great week. I find it amusing that I kind of say that stuff like you guys can respond, but I'll probably keep doing it anyway. My fam and I are trying to soak up this whole summer thing that is slipping by as best that we can, but it's still really hot here, folks. I mean, whoa, I'm starting to feel like maybe I am in Texas. And I know I'm a little weird on this one too, but I kind of feel like around this time of year, I start to almost like kind of stare at the trees in almost like a little bit of anticipation of the fall colors that I know are coming. Is that bad? It's not that I don't want to totally enjoy the moment and enjoy summer and be with my kids and do stuff outside and all that kind of stuff. But let's be serious. Right now, it's way too hot for me to go outside. But for real, fall in Oregon is amazing. Most of you guys, if you're in Oregon, you know what I'm talking about. But if you guys are listening to this from any other part of the country, I'm telling you, you have to come to Oregon in the fall. Okay, maybe not this year during coronavirus lockdown, because I don't even know if that's a possibility. But someday, put that on your bucket list to come to Oregon in the fall, because it's just absolutely fantastic. I just love it. And I'm not going to even start on my monologue on pumpkin spice everything right now. But I'm just saying, I am resisting that temptation because fall is so great. So, but okay, this isn't fall yet. Guys, there's some good stuff in this month, okay? I always feel like August is kind of a planning month to me. I mean, yep, there definitely are your last minute camping trips or whatever, or in our case, it's gonna be our first camping trip. Kind of got on a late start with the whole COVID lockdown thing, and then we could not for the life of us find a camping spot. I think everybody had the same amazing idea to get outside, you know? So, so we're gonna sneak in one, but planning. I love to plan. And to be honest, though, I think I I used to like it a whole lot more when there wasn't this annoying little virus thing that was cramping my planning style. But I am going to persist and I'm going to try to plan as best as I can, given the situation. Now, even me asserting that I'm going to plan here as you're going to listen to where I want to go with this podcast a little bit, you're going to go, well, why even try? Why even plan? Well, Let's see if we can process this out a little bit together, but that's kind of where I want to launch. What do your plans look like right now? That's not really a very easy question. I know it's not for me, and it's probably not for you guys either. My, my prayer with this today is to lay down some encouragement, and let's think through the plans that we have going right now. And this is really practical right now, isn't it? I am sure that there might be five of you out there that are all good with having zero plan and not knowing what to expect. But for the rest of us, this is super tough, right? I already told you, I love August and planning and, you know, getting ready for school or whatever. And so on the school thing, let's just talk about that a sec. So for all of you mamas out there trying to figure out what school life is going to be looking like coming up, whoa. Now, that one's not for the faint of heart, is it? I mean, if you've got kids in public school right now, you guys have all kinds of questions, right? And pretty much as soon as you probably come up with a plan or you think you've got at least something that's a decent plan of attack here, it probably changes. 
And it's not just if your kids are in public school, too, right? I mean, it can be all kinds of different things. But maybe it's not even school. Maybe it's not even kids. Maybe it's your work is still in flux, you know? And if you do have kids on the work front, then you're trying to go, how does this work exactly? I'm at home, but sometimes I'm in my office, but then only on certain days. And how does that work if I'm going to do homeschool or the distance model? Or I mean, all of you guys, we kind of put our toe into these waters in the spring and tried to figure out how this worked. For some, it worked. For some, it did not. Your kids are different. You're different. The challenges that you have even work life. I think my favorite thing is to try, and I need to do better, guys. I really do. But like when my kids, especially my youngest is seventh grade, and if he needs help in math, this is seriously code red. You just don't want it. And when you know, there's all these like newer methods of teaching things or something or so I've heard and I have no idea what any of that means. So, yep, we're going to do long division like the full on long way. There's probably some smarter ways. I don't know, but I don't know them. So there's all those things that you're like, I don't know how to do this. And I don't know what my plan is going to be for these things. And maybe if it's not the distance learning, maybe you found a smaller private school that is going to have in-person education, which is awesome. But then you might be nervous about some of those things, or maybe that's just a big change for your kids. So, and then there's other things that that brings involved, you know, can we afford that? Or maybe you're wondering if you should just homeschool. But then if you homeschool, what curriculum do you do that with? And there's so many options. And how am I going to have the time for this? So did y'all see how good I am at this natural like spiraling thing, you know, let's see how fast I can present myself with like 50 different plans to totally overwhelm myself. But we can all do that. And I am and we probably are all predisposed just a little bit to coming with a whole bunch of plans and then mulling them over, worrying about them for a while. And then just about getting to the point where we just want to throw up our hands and I, I give up. I don't know what to do. So if you're pitching your tent in the worry, anxiety mode, hey, go back to Philippians 4. Read that a few dozen times, okay? Maybe give last week's podcast on fear a listen and and write those scriptures down. It's just really important to take your thoughts captive on these things. But plans, okay, they aren't bad things. They keep us organized. They are, you know, they're kind of the premise of any good budget, which I personally do not love, but... It's kind of like the heartbeat of my husband's heart there. He just loves a good budget. So exciting for him. Give him a spreadsheet and he is one happy camper. But plans are good, typically, right? They help us to reach goals and evaluate where we're at. And you guys know there's plans that I like. I've talked to you. I love my Bible reading plan, right? Are you guys sick of hearing me say about talking about Bible reading plans? But I love it so much because it gives me a trajectory. It's that there's always going to be lots of places you can pick up in the word, right? But at least if you have a plan, even if you're not sticking to it scheduled exactly, you got an idea of where you're going to land that morning. And I just love that. So to me, having a plan, it's comforting. It keeps me on task. Hey, a plan for what you're having for dinner. Huge one. If I don't have a pre-done plan, there's pretty much a 95 plus percent chance that we're having grilled cheese or scraps. Scraps is what we call leftovers in my house. And we'll probably be having them, you know. So plans aren't at all bad, but 2020 has been pretty much a daily object lesson in holding our plans very loosely. 
But that's more than a little unsettling to hold our plan usually because then it sort of feels like we're just going to fall apart and then we're going to be having grilled cheese and scraps way too many nights, okay? That's not the option that we all want, right? And parents, I think this gets even a little thicker for us because we also have this nasty little habit of trying to control or make plans for our kids. And I'm not meaning just the school thing. I'm meaning like just our own expectations or desires of what we wanted their year to look like or whatever. You know, for me, this hits home because my oldest will be a senior this year. And so I can have in my mind the plans that I had for his senior year, what I thought that that should look like, or his last sports season in high school, what I wanted that to look like. And, you know, this was not my plan. And maybe even if you have younger kids, people have legitimate concerns of like, man, what what is this like for my kids? Like development, maybe they're an only child and you're like, no, wait, I want them to get out and be able to play and, you know, have interactions and things like that. I mean, these are all things that none of them are bad things, but we can have sort of this expectation of what we think is going to be absolutely best for our kids. Okay, it's a good plan. It's something that we have really good intentions of as parents. But again, we got to hold these plans loosely, loosely. And we, especially as it comes to our kids, my goodness, I mean, yes, we as parents, we love, love, love our kids. But the Lord loves our kids even more than we do. I know whenever I say that thing out loud, it actually makes my brain short circuit a little bit because I'm thinking, oh, but I really, really love my kids. But the Lord loves our kids and he knows exactly what he's got for them. So I'm getting a little ahead of myself there, but maybe you're not a parent and your plans have been thwarted too. I mean, there's job unknowns and vacations and I mean, good grief, sometimes you plan to even go to a friend's birthday or a wedding and and that's even kind of all a mess. So plans, I've told you, I just kind of have a love-hate relationship with that word just a little bit, probably for the first time in my life, because I really do want to plan. But I think the Lord keeps asking me to look at this a little bit differently, a little bit different perspective, different lens. And I think this is good for me. And I think it's good for us to be reminded of these things. And so I want to encourage you guys in a couple things. So if you got all wound up about that, don't stress, okay? This is the good part. And all of that stuff, you know, it's just our plans. Okay. So let's just calm down and let we, let's get a little perspective on this. This is me telling myself this too, right? But whose plan do we really want? Do we want our plan or do we want God's plan? Like if they really were sitting both on a table and you were going, do you want this one or this one? You know, sometimes we're going to go, oh, no, we, we know that the right answer is to say, well, we want what God's plan is. That sounds like the right answer. But secretly, we're like, ah, but my plan looks pretty good. But you know, of course, that at the end of the day, what should win out is you saying, we want what God's plan is. And so, yeah, you might not be outwardly embracing that concept too much, but inwardly, you know that that's where you want to land. So I want us to look at what God's plan is. And this is the encouragement that I promised. You know, if we're honest with ourselves, we know that even our very best plans, like I was saying earlier, you know, if you put it out on a table, this is my plan and this is what the Lord's plan, we know that we don't want the thing that is just all us and not the Lord. We really don't. So 
I know there's some of us that we need to mull that over in our minds a few times because it's really easy to think that we really, really do know what's best, okay? We know what's best for our kids. We know what's best for our homes and our friends, and and we just know. But do we really? Do we really? So let's look at when we all think of plans, everybody's going to think of the probably the most famous plan verse in the Bible, okay? Jeremiah 29, 11, great verse. I am going to probably pop some bubbles a little bit about this, but this is a really great verse. We do need to talk about this. So Jeremiah 29, 11, you probably know it. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. I love that verse. And I know it's often usually the first one that's kind of the answer for your dilemmas, whatever you're facing right now. You know, it's Jeremiah 29, 11. See, there's a plan. And yes, absolutely true. But the Bible studier in me just wants to point out a little proper context here because this verse often gets a little bit misused. So don't turn me off just yet. I know that this is, it's on a zillion Hallmark cards and pillows and and it's a great verse, but I think it's important to see the context of this verse a little bit. And who was Jeremiah 29, 11 written to, okay? Jeremiah, the we call him the weeping prophet sometimes, but he's writing this to the exiles, the Jewish people that are currently in captivity. I believe this would have been like the third wave of captivity, but they are in exile. So this verse right here, this is going to be a real good word for these people. This is going to be a welcome, comforting word to those people that are in captivity, that the Lord, he has a plan for you. It's not to harm you. So this would have been a really comforting word to them. But I think the audience of this passage is important to point out because there's really so much more here than what we sometimes ascribe to it. You know, remember the Bible is the complete work of scripture is God's story. It's not about us. And it points to who God is and what his character is. And it tells us things about him. And what I think is amazing about Jeremiah 29 11 is that it's really, there's so much more there than just the I don't want you to be hurt verse kind of thing. And I think sometimes that's what we can kind of do with it. But in this particular part, it's really showing us the God's plan of redemption for his people. You know, the people, they'd been in exile. And this would have been a great word for them because it really, this would have been a reminder of God's covenant with them, that he was never going to leave them. He was never going to forsake them, even though they had clearly forsaken him and found themselves in exile. But this would remind them that God is with them. God's got a plan for you. He's talking to the Jewish people here, okay? So here's where the story can sound familiar to us, though, right? We can find our modern-day similarities to being in exile, kind of being in the world but not of the world, maybe perhaps how the Jewish people would have felt in Babylon. And we can know that the Lord will never leave us, and never forsake us because Hebrews 13, 5, it echoes that same Old Testament principle to us as Jesus followers, that Jesus is not going to leave us or forsake us. And the beauty of God's word is often seeing these principles of his word that can apply to any audience, not just the Jewish exiles. So so why do I bring this up? It says, plans I have for you, plans for your welfare, not for evil, 
to give you a future and a hope. And that's where I'm saying it's often misused as the you will not suffer passage. Okay. So, and we have a couple of these in scripture. I'll talk about another one in a second, but we need to be careful with that because that principle is not supported in God's word. John 16, 33 tells us in this world, you will have trouble. So there's a name it and claim it promise of God's word, if you want right there. In this world, you will have trouble. But if you read that full verse, I think it echoes the great takeaway that is Jeremiah 29, 11, in that this is God's plan of redemption. The whole verse there in John 16, 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I think we actually see a little bit of a parallel here between Jeremiah 29, 11, which, yep, was totally spoken to the Jewish people. Is there things in there that we can have principles of that word to us as New Testament believers in Jesus? Absolutely. But why I bring that up is because sometimes when we take those verses and and we want to just put over it the see the Lord has a plan for my life thing, you are kind of stripping that passage of really the bigger picture that was being taught there, that was being shown there. And that was really showing the Lord's character and his whole redemptive plan that he had. He had a plan to take the people out of exile. And then ultimately, we look at his redemptive work of all through scripture of what it's doing, it's pointing to Jesus. That's the bigger picture of that verse. That is the redemptive work. And I love there that in John 16, 33, it's reminding us of that the same thing. It says, I have overcome the world. Again, I just feel like that's such a great perspective shift of God's plan, not ours. But don't forget that little part in 1633 that we would probably prefer is not there that says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. And right now we feel like we've got some trouble around us. But Jesus is saying, take heart, take heart. I have overcome the world. So I love that. So we're talking about plans here. And I know that like I said, that Jeremiah 29, 11 verse just rings in our ears. So I just wanted to address that because it's so much more than what we typically just put on there. And I love that about the Bible. So I know that was a bit of a tangent, but I always want to bring us back to the Bible, rightly dividing the word of truth as best as we can. And I add that as best we can part because I am no expert. I'm still learning, but hopefully I cause you and it causes me to take a closer look at our Bibles on what really is all being said there. The word is so much more than grabbing scriptures that feel good. It's about getting to know the God of the Bible, getting to know his plan. And the plan that he presents from our favorite Jeremiah 29, 11 verse is one of redemption and the redemption that we can find in Jesus. And this perspective of redemption shouldn't be overlooked in our present day Lord, what is my plan or what is your plan mindset? Because we get down here in the minutia of it. But in order to get right perspective, we really do need to look up and adjust our perspective. And this huge truth, I think, is what's tucked into Jeremiah 29, 11 of the Lord's plan of redemption really does give us that big picture look. So what else do we know about God's plan? Okay, Ephesians 1, 11 tells us he works all things according to the counsel of his will. Man, did you catch that? Okay, he works all things according to the counsel of his will. Because that is really good news to the situation we are in right now. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. So translated, the plan that I had for my kids year, it might look just a bit different. He knows that. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. 
I want to read a little bit more of this Ephesians section because there's so much in that verse, but I kind of want that phrase to sort of be kind of stuck in your brain at the end of this when you're done listening to this podcast and you're going along whatever else you're doing. I hope that that phrase of he works all things according to the counsel of his will is just going to kind of keep playing in there because that really resonates with me on focusing on what the Lord's plan is and trying to take that away from mine. But I want to look at the bigger section of Ephesians Because the Lord has really used this passage for me to be a great big picture sort of passage. And disclaimer on this one a little bit. So this passage that I'm going to read, there is so much in this. And honestly, we're not even going to, we're just going to skim the surface. But every time I read this, I feel like there's just something more. Or sometimes it's even a question I have. Do you have those passages that you feel like you could read it 50 times? And you're like, what did that say? Yeah, sometimes this is one of those because there's just a lot in it. But I really, really like, for many reasons, but one of them is because I do think it shifts us to this big picture outlook that I really want to be more mindful of. And so I know I'm not going to do this justice, but I want to start in Ephesians 1.11. And it says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So there's that line right there. Verse 12, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be, and here's my favorite part, to the praise of his glory. Verse 13 says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, and here's that phrase again, to the praise of his glory. Okay, so I'm, I've totally told you my favorite parts. I, I love he works all things according to the counsel of his will. And then there's this part to the praise of his glory. Okay, how does my plan, whatever it looks like right now, how does it fill the blank of that right there? How does the school decision that you are mulling over right now satisfy that to the praise of his glory? How can we, can I submit our plan to look like that. Because here's what I am wondering. Do we overcomplicate sometimes what God's will is for our situation? And again, way bigger topic here. And I think so many scriptures speak to this. This is That's probably an, an entirely different episode. But just to be really super simplistic here, what is our purpose? You know, what does scripture tell us that what our purpose is? You know, Revelation 4.11 tells us he created all things. Okay, that's us. And by his will, we exist. So boiling all that down, we are for him. And that's a tough one for our brains to get around. I feel like it is sometimes. I feel like it, it is for me to grasp that, hey, that's my whole reason here, guys. That's my whole reason for existence. Why am I here? Why do I exist? I exist for him. But if I realize that I'm created and I'm here for him and for what Ephesians says is the praise of his glory, then shouldn't that give me kind of a big picture comfort in all of this? And I think that it does. But what do I mean by that? So just real practical. Say you're you're praying and you're seeking the Lord for what the plan should be for your kid's school this year. And I get it. Like I said, bunch of options. There's a whole lot of factors that you will weigh out as the best choice for your family. Lots of it. Okay. It's going to be determined on 
you know, obviously your kids' individual needs or your work schedule or maybe finances or if you have younger kids, all kinds of things. But what if we go into that process or that decision with the lens of what brings praise to his glory? And here's where I think that is so cool, because when evaluating decisions with that intent, it makes me realize that maybe there isn't one perfect, like everything falls in place solution. Maybe the Lord is saying, do that and give praise to my glory. And then we're like, well, wait, which one? Should I homeschool? Do I do online school? Do I co-op? Do I private school? Yes. Okay, right? Like what this reminds me of the story in Numbers 11, which is a retelling of when they're from an exodus when the people were crying out for meat. Okay, right? So the people are complaining about not having meat to eat and they're grumbling against the Lord and against Moses. And and Moses being really well intentioned, he kind of lays out some options to the Lord, you know. Might see my my planning self. I get this with Moses. I'm like, okay, good plan. He he lays out some plans and he says, A, Lord, do we kill our flocks and our herds? Or B, do we go fishing? Because he's saying, you know, here here's our options, Lord. This is all we got. And I'll present you with option A or option B. And I love that God in the story says, C, neither of these. And in this story, option C was something they could not have even fathomed, okay, right? It was quail that flew in and just came out of nowhere and gave meat for the people. So maybe your situation, maybe the option you present or maybe like the numbers thing, it'll be completely out of left field. But what's my point? The point is, was, and is it for his glory? So when I think about that example in numbers, and Moses giving the two options, I sort of feel like the Lord knew, well, I know that he knew, hey, this is the one that's going to give me the most glory. It's going to be nothing that you've done. And I think sometimes our options can be like that too. They can be the thing that will bring the Lord the most glory is usually the one that, I mean, that's the one we want to be in. What brings him the most glory? So I want to align my plan to what answers that question. What What's the answer to that equation to the greatest extent? But I don't want this to sound like some crazy, holy answer, right? So let's take it down from the rafters a little bit, because I don't want to say that and lay down some super spiritual answer that doesn't give you any practical context. My aim is to always make this like personally to assess my plans through this lens and make it as practical for you guys too, as you as you can see it. Because I think sometimes it's easy to say something that sounds like super spiritual, but we can't put it into our own practical context. So I want to give you a practical example of what this looked like in my house. We did this a couple years ago, and I'm not completely sure what inspired it. But I do think it's such a great idea of, you know, we pulled our family together and we were focusing on this passage in Ephesians for the praise of his glory. And we talked with our kids about all the little pieces about it and what our intention was in these this little family meeting was to kind of like, what's our family motto? What do we want 
the McReynolds family to be known for? What do you guys want us to have sort of like, as I've been talking about the for the players of his glory thing, like that being the, can you fill that in the blank of this decision that I'm going to do? Man, is this going to be for the praise of his glory? And so that's virtually what we did. And ours, we expanded it just a smidge. And so there's a sign in my kitchen, you know, and it says for the glory of God and the benefit of others. Because what we wanted to do was create a little phrase that our kids could understand when they are thinking about something they should do or something that involves someone else or a decision, whatever it is, can they put that part in? Like, hey, does this this thing that I'm going to be doing on this team or this sports team that I'm on, does it is this glorifying the Lord and this is this benefiting others? And if we can't answer those questions in a way that would bring honor to the Lord, then that's probably not what we should be doing. So I love, because the other thing we have in scripture, the one that we can pull the, when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And it can be boiled down to loving God with all your soul, might, and strength, and then loving others. And so I think that's a really good filter to sort of bring that question down to a real practical level. So that's what it looked like just on a practical means in our house and not even how we used it as a, as parents with our kids to kind of, you know, ingrain that thought in them a little bit. Hey, is the thing that you're doing, does this glorify the Lord? And then obviously as parents, my goodness, it's not, we're not perfect over here. There's so many things that we're doing and going, man, does that bring glory to the Lord? What I'm thinking of doing here or this decision or whatever. But sometimes it, it's us removing all of the options that we've laid out, and instead of option A, B, C, and D, just laying one giant is, does this bring glory to the Lord? It's a really great one. So I think that's one of my things that I just love about Ephesians, that I think it gives, it shifts our perspective a little bit. It's telling us, is this to the praise of his glory? And like I told you, there's all kinds of things in that Ephesians passage, way more. We just totally skimmed the surface on that. But that piece, that he works all things to the counsel of his will, and then to the praise of his glory, I think we can really use those things really practically when we're kind of sifting through all this. So... Remember that, you know, in all of this, the plans, the uncertainty, remember what is not uncertain. And I think we got to talk about that just from the encouraging side that that presents us is that we are reminded many times in scripture of God's love for us. The word more than 180 times when it's describing his love, it puts the word steadfast in there, his steadfast love. Over and over, it talks about his love being steadfast. And, it, and steadfast, is it's not a word that we use a whole lot, probably because as big sinners, we don't have a whole lot of context for that in and of ourselves. We're not really all that steady, folks. I'm not. But again, the beauty of the narrative of Scripture is that it keeps pointing us to Jesus and he loves us with this steady love. It's the big picture. It takes us out of the details and shifts our eyes away from that thing that's in front of us, the choice that we need to make, the decision that's in front of us. And instead, it, it forces us to look to the one who loves us. And then we're going to go back to those things and go, oh, wait, it's the one that loves us that's working all things to the counsel of his will. That's so good. That's such a great word for us. Romans 8 is another one I want to look at because this is such a good passage. And I'm going to read a bit from here. Now, we're going to read in a passage that this is another one that can get tweaked just a little bit. But I want to start first back up a little bit to verse 18. And in Romans 8, 18, 
it starts with, it says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. This is talking about the eternal hope that we have, that this is just good perspective stuff. All this this current sufferings, it just doesn't even compare. It's nothing compared to the good stuff that's coming. So that's verse 18. Keep going down a little bit to verse 24, and it says, For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes in what he sees? And then it continues down to verse 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Oh, this is such a good word for us. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Okay, there there it is again, that reminder that, He works things in accordance with the counsel of his will from Ephesians. Then verse 28 in Romans 8. Again, this one's really, really famous. So you're going to recognize this one, Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And I got to keep reading a little bit, but then we'll back up to 28. But verse 29 says, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Okay, again, there's a whole lot there. But verse 28, all things work together for good. Now, the good here, I'm sorry to tell y'all, it doesn't really mean our earthly comfort. Okay, this is again where sometimes I think we can hijack this verse like we do with Jeremiah 29, 11, and we kind of want to put a feel-good touch on it. But it's not really saying our earthly comfort. It's This is not a you won't suffer passage. The good that they describe it then in verse 29 This is telling us what he means by that. And it says we are being conformed to the image of his son. That's why I kept reading there. I know it gets into there into some big words, predestination and all that kind of stuff. Not going there. But for it says in verse 29, for those he foreknew, he also predestines to be conformed to the image of his son. The conformed to the image of his son part, that's the good. That's the good that verse 28 was talking about when it says he works all things together for good. So... Like I said, lots there. But have you ever had something work out in a way that initially you could have never described as good? But looking back, you can see the Lord's hand in it. And, you know, I've talked to you guys about this in the context of grief and losing my dad. Hey, guys, not my plan. Anybody who's lost anyone, that's not our plan. But God's word is still true. Even when our situation, when our circumstances don't seem to make it all make sense in our minds, God's word is still true. And Romans 8, 28 is absolutely true. It was not my plan, but was there good that came from it? Particularly as it's talking about there being conformed to the image of the Son. That's kind of, that is talking about the conforming the sanctification process that we have as we, in our Christian walk, desire to be more like Jesus. Are we ever going to get there, guys? We're not going to be perfect. But I say that, but then I also, in my mind, I hear the words of Paul ringing when he says, be perfect as I am perfect. Okay. And again, that's probably tipping into a whole bunch of other stuff that I we, we aren't really going towards in this podcast. But there is that being more like Christ, desiring to conform to his image. To do that, 
We're going to have to get rid of some of the stuff that we want to hang on to. We're going to have to ditch some of these plans that we thought, because those aren't going to be the ones that are going to bring him the most glory. So some of you might be thinking, hang on, this, this doesn't really feel all that encouraging. You are taking away some of our feel-good verses and, and saying we're going to have trouble. Yeah, I know. But guys, this is why this is good. He works things in accordance with the counsel of his will. It's not ours. And really when it comes down to it, we have to submit to that. We need to do that. Yeah, I love Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29. This is such comfort for us. It says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How is it he can say that piece right there? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And it's because he's taking it all. He's asking us to lay down our plan. He's asking us to be okay with knowing, with understanding, submitting to the fact that he's going to work things out in the in accordance with the counsel of his will. But he gives us some great encouragement along the way, guys. Do you, I mean, all those verses where he's talking about the spirit intercedes for us. When it talks about that we have these internal groanings, we don't even know how to pray sometimes. But it's the spirit that intercedes for us in a way. And I think that in itself is also so comforting because you think, man, the Spirit, why does He do that for us? Let's go back to that part that talks about the love that Jesus has for us over and over and over. What did I say? Like 180 times? The steadfast love of the Lord. The steadfast love. The steadfast love. He loves us. So we can absolutely trust His perfect will for us. When I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, like I said, it, it does get so confusing. I think I confuse myself. But if we're submitting to what his will and we don't strive against it, you know, recognizing that finding that you might have to ask yourself some questions, you know, ask yourself the question, what brings you, Lord, the greatest glory? And the answer to that might not be what you'd expect, but it sure does take the pressure off of knowing the exact answer. Because perhaps it's not A and B. Maybe it is C. Maybe the Lord knows exactly that situation for your kiddo or your family member or what, whatever the decision is before you. And maybe it's just an option you just haven't even considered. But we have the truth of his word to tell us here that he is working things out in accordance to the counsel of his will. We know he is good. We know that he is good and he does good. So I think what I want to leave you with are those couple of reminders of asking yourself when you're laying out a whole bunch of options that you might be stressing yourself out about, maybe take things a little bit more simplistically and just say, hey, Lord, what of these gives you the greatest glory? And I think that the Lord honors that intent, that heart, that posture of wanting to say that, Lord, we, we recognize that our very purpose, our very reason to be here is for you. So whatever the next six months, whatever this school year, whatever this job situation is supposed to look like a year from now, we just want it to bring you glory. We want it to be the thing that is the most honoring to you. 
And so as you've been reminded of some of these scriptures, again, I'd like to always encourage you guys to, I write the scriptures that, or I make the reference of these scriptures in the podcast note section. So you can go back and maybe look some of those up, write the verse in Matthew that I referenced, write that out, that his yoke is easy. I love that. That's such a great reminder. Go back and read over those verses in Ephesians 1. There is a ton in Ephesians 1. And the same thing in Romans 8. And each time, praying before you read those, of just asking the Lord, asking the Spirit to show you what He has for you in that. Because I just feel like there is so much confidence that we can get in the multitude of decisions and all the, the questions and the things that we're just not sure how to work out. The confidence, the peace exists in submitting to the fact that we want to do things according to the counsel of His will and to the praise of His glory. So guys, what's your plan? What's my plan? Let's take these scriptures and let's put that filter of whatever it is that the Lord has for us, what is the thing that the Lord has for us that would bring Him the greatest glory? I think we can wipe out a whole bunch of complexity by putting that filter on it. So let's dig into the Lord's Word on that and see what He has for us as we seek to bring Him glory. Thank you for tuning in to The Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of Athey Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at atheycreek.com.